Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Let's open our Bibles together to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11, as we go to the Word of the Lord. And as you turn your Bibles open, let's pray. Lord, we trust in You, we hope in You through many years of of life, Lord, through ups and downs and sideways turns, Your Word guides and directs us, a solid rock underneath us. So open our hearts to receive Your Holy Word this morning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Amen. What a soul needs, company. Don't go it alone. Life requires the buddy system. There's so many things that we're told to to not go do by yourself. Don't go hiking alone. Always take a buddy. You might uh, come upon a, a bear or a mountain lion, and you're going to want a buddy with you, one who runs just a little bit slower than you do. <laughs> there are lots of things that we're not supposed to do alone. Don't go hiking alone. Don't go climbing alone. Don't go fishing alone. Don't go skiing alone, kayak, pretty much anything, hunting, anything we want to do here in Colorado, you can't go alone. You've got to have a buddy with you. I've been told never to buy jeans alone. I don't know if that's just me. Life requires the buddy system. Actually, your soul needs company. We were built to be better together. This is usually read at a wedding, but Ecclesiastes 4 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. We're better together. Or this from 1 Peter 
Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Let's say that together. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now that you can have sincere love, now that you, you know Christ, you're in a relationship with Christ, you know purity, you know wholeness, now that you have that, you know love, now love one another deeply from the heart. Be a friend. Learn how to be a friend. The soul needs company. We're going along now in the middle of Matthew looking at various moments in the ministry of Jesus and asking this question, what does a soul need? What, what do we need to care for the soul? What is the proper care and feeding of the human soul? You know, you don't take something home until you know how to take care of it, right? How do we take care of our souls? A, a soul needs a savior. A soul needs value. A soul needs purpose. And, and today, today a soul needs company. And that stands to reason. Because we were made in the image of God. God, the one true and holy God, God is one, but God is also three. God is not a, a cold and lonely monad, a, a solo principle up there all alone. God is actually not only one, but God is revealed to be a trinity. Uh, beyond human reason, it's a threeness that's also a oneness, trinitas, a tri-unity. It's beyond our understanding, the trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We can't fully understand it, but what it teaches us is that God, even God, is not alone. How could our soul be satisfied alone if our soul was made in the image of God? And even God is not alone. See, solitude can be healthy, but alone is no good. Solitude can be a healthy thing to, to withdraw and, and rest and reflect and catch up with ourselves and God and allow our souls to catch up with us. A chosen time of solitude can be very healthy, but a chosen time of solitude and deep loneliness, these are two totally different things. Solitude can be healthy, but alone is no good. A soul needs company. Stephen Smith, in his book, Soul Custody, Choosing to care for the one and only you talks about four levels of friendship like the four chambers of the heart. Chamber one is a trivial relationship. You ask, well, where are you from? What do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Chamber two is where we find a little bit of commonality, some common interests. Oh, me too, me too. Chamber three is where we start to tell our stories to one another even some of the bad parts of our stories. But chamber four, chamber four is what we truly need. Not for all of our relationships, but, but for a few. Chamber four is where we disclose it all. Nothing is held back. Here I am, all the beauty, all the ugly. This is me, and we share ourselves with one another. See, we long to be not only fully loved, but fully 
known, to be fully known and fully loved. That's what the soul longs for. That's chamber four friendship. Stephen Smith writes, in a soul friendship, we move out of our dungeons and into the light, not only of each other's presence, but also the very presence of Christ, the true light. We die to our false self and learn the joy and sheer grace of finally being accepted as we truly are. Here is unparalleled safety and grace that no other entity in life offers us but soul friends. Now, a word of warning here. Be careful who you invite into chamber four. Your friends will have an, an incredible ability to impact your life and to change the direction of your life and who you are. Your friends will have an enormous impact on who you grow to be. You may have heard this, this sort of axiom, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. It's a biblical idea. It comes from Proverbs 13.20, among many Proverbs. This, this verse says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Don't underestimate the power of your friendships to pull you away from the Lord. If you're walking with a company of friends and each day you're giving them a little bit of your heart, your devotion, your commitment to one another, and at every turn they despise godly things and they elevate ungodly things, well, what do you expect? You're standing in the rain. You're going to get wet. You need to watch your... And if you're dating someone, multiply that by 10. You give your heart to somebody, they can change the course of your life. We should all have all kinds of different friends. We should have all kinds of friendships. We should have friends who, who need our sway, our influence. We should have non-Christian friends or friends that we're trying to influence in a better way. But you should think about what type of a relationship is this one? Am I trying to be like this person, or am I trying to influence this person? Soul friendship offers the greatest possibility of transformation, but they should be people who want to strive after Jesus just as much as you do. Many of us find this in, in marriage, the joy of marriage, but not all. And, and marriage is, is a season in our lives. We need to learn how to find this in friendships as well. See, before marriage, we're single. And after uh, the, the passing of a spouse or a divorce, then we're single again. Many of us are called to a single life straight through from beginning to end, full of good company and blessings, a full life. What I'm saying is don't assume that marriage is the only answer to this need for soul companionship. If you are married, seek your soul companion first in your spouse, primarily and only secondarily in others. But if you're not married, don't wait for marriage to find a soul companion. You need to learn how to build these kinds of friendships. The soul needs company. Let's look at our text. Jesus, you see, was never married, but he had soul companions. Peter, James, and John in particular seemed to get closer to Jesus than any of the others. He pulled them aside more often. But today we look at Jesus' relationship with his distant cousin, John the Baptist, who I can think, I think we can say, was a soul companion to Jesus. 
Maybe, maybe the closest one. They were so close, so intimately tied that Jesus says something about this man that he says about no other person. He says, truly I tell you, among those born of women, which is a lot of people, <laughs> among all of those, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. You feel the affection? But even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So, so some see in our passage that we've just read a moment of doubt in John. He's sitting in prison. And if you don't know the story of John the Baptist, it turns out that this does not work out well for him. He is, he is eventually beheaded by Herod. So maybe John is unsure of what's going on with Jesus. If so, I'd forgive him, sure, a moment of doubt. But actually, I take the more dominant side of biblical interpretation on this passage with the church has believed through the years, which is that the John the Baptist in this moment was doing exactly what John the Baptist always did, and he was pointing to Jesus. When his disciples came to him and they're talking about the struggle that they're in, John did what he always did. He says, look, if you want to find the Savior, go look at what Jesus is doing. Go look, go see. And Jesus, in return, he, he reveals just how big a man John is in his own life. These are soul companions. The soul needs company. So let me elevate five things we see in the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist. As we look at soul company, and we're looking to find this in our own lives to try to apply it, number one, they had affinity. Affinity. They had stuff in common. I recently heard Bob Goff say, if you're trying to deepen a relationship, if you're trying to deepen your relationship with your wife or your kids or a friend or a relative, just find one more thing in common. Jesus and John, they had a lot in common. They had affinity. They were so alike, in fact, that there was a legend among the church fathers in the early church that John and Jesus were supernaturally twins. Uh, it's, there's nothing, you shouldn't carry that away. <laughs> but they said, uh, that's why Herod, when Jesus came to town, said, oh, is John the Baptist back from the dead? But there's nothing really to that except to say these two were so alike, they had an affinity, an affinity. Number two, they had common they had mutual admiration, mutual admiration. This is tricky because it's Jesus we're talking about here. Who's Jesus supposed to admire? You know, John's job was to point to Jesus. Jesus' job was to point to Jesus. And in pointing to himself, restore us in our relationship with God. Bring us to a relationship of restoration with the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. But even so, in demonstrating for us the importance of soul companionship, Jesus and John express mutual admiration. Of course, John admired Jesus. When Jesus came to be baptized before him in the Jordan River, he said, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, one, one to whom I should be his slave. I should be carrying his shoes. When Jesus knelt for baptism, John said, what are you doing? I should be baptized by you. We need to turn this around. John tells his disciples as they're sitting there in prison, kibitzing about the situation in this passage and the dark future they're looking at, he says, look, Look, just get up from here 
Go look at Jesus. Go see what you see. And then you come back. Go see what Jesus is doing and then come back and look again at this situation that we're in in light of who he is. You see, John admired Jesus above all. His whole ministry was to point the way to Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease, he said. This is the one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one. Don't look to me. Look to this one. Not at me, to Jesus. And for it, for that, Jesus returns this profound statement. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not been anyone greater than John the Baptist. They had a mutual admiration. Number three, they had common purpose. Disclosing the reality of the kingdom of God. John was so well aligned in his heart and his spirit and his mind and his work to the work of Jesus disclosing the reality of the kingdom of God that when Jesus' ministry came along, people wondered if it was a continuation of the ministry of John the Baptist. But it was the Lord's ministry all along. They had common purpose. There's nothing like common purpose to build soul companionship. You can't just stare at each other over coffee and say, let's be friends. Friendship is born of adversity and victory in the battles of life. They had common purpose. Number four, they shared loyalty. Never did one turn on the other, not for a moment. You can't invite someone into the fourth chamber of your heart and wonder in the back of your mind when they're going to pull out a dagger and stab you in the back. There has to be trust built over time, trust and loyalty. Number five, they kept connection. Even when they were far apart, they kept a connection to one another. They kept, this is what I love about this, this relationship. Even though they're far apart from one another, they're keeping tabs on where they are. My best friend lives 1,400 miles from here. That's more than a 20-hour drive. But I can tell you, we know one another. We keep tabs on one another. He's nearer to me than anyone in this room, apart from my wife, if she's here somewhere. (laughs) Why? Because he knows my heart, and I know his. And so even though there's distance, we keep tabs, and I love to see that. Do you think there was even a day when John the Baptist wasn't thinking about where Jesus is and what he's doing? Do Do you think there was any moment that Jesus lost track of John the Baptist? No, they... They kept a connection. You don't have to be in one another's hip pocket to keep a connection. The soul needs company like that. So there's five things. Five things I see in the companionship of Jesus and John the Baptist. Affinity, admiration, common purpose, loyalty, and connection. Maybe you can see some more. I believe the soul needs company. Solitude can be healthy, but alone, loneliness, it's deadly. 
It's no good. You don't need it. You know, you know what your soul needs? Your soul needs a connection like this, meaningful spiritual connection. You see, meaningful spiritual transformation is born of soul companions. We need more than information to live the Christian life. We need more than inspiration to walk the ways of Jesus. Information and inspiration don't add up to transformation. We need to walk the life. Spiritual transformation comes life to life as we walk the ways of Jesus together. Dallas Willard writes, spiritual formation, good or bad, is always profoundly social. You cannot keep it to yourself. Anyone who thinks of it as a merely private matter has misunderstood it. I have a friend whose sister, um, her sister fell into a very difficult time in their marriage and, uh, and her sister called her and revealed to her very privately something that had happened with her husband. And this friend of mine, as soon as she was off the phone with her sister, she texted her prayer partners asking them to pray. And as soon as she hit send, she thought, oh, no. What have I done? I've betrayed the confidence of my sister. I've betrayed her privacy. She jumped back on the phone and said, I have to explain what just happened. You see, I'm so sorry, but these friends, they're so close to me that when I'm hurting, they're hurting and I just need them praying. And before I even thought, I sent it. I just needed them praying for this. And, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But her sister wasn't mad. Her sister kind of fell silent for a pregnant moment on the phone. And then she said, you mean you have friends who pray for you in moments like that? How did you get that? See, the soul needs company. The soul needs companionship. I hope you have soul companions. I hope you have people that you truly know people who truly know you, people who can pray for the, the real, deep down, difficult, painful, chamber for real life kind of things, interests and hopes and pains and disappointments and can really pray for one another. I hope you have people that you trust in your life enough that, that you know that they can speak Scripture into your life, even in corrective ways. People that are loyal to you, loyal to you, loyal to Jesus. You know they always want what's best for you in your life. You have friends like that. You have, how did you get that? It's possible. It's part of the gift that God is trying to give you in the community of faith. Most problems are soul problems. But soul health is possible because God loves the deepest you. He's invested in the health of your soul. Your soul, your deepest you, needs a deepest friend, a deepest companion. The soul needs company. Value your friendships. Pray for, pray for a soul companion in your life, or, or two, or three. The best way to develop one is to try to be one. Try to be that kind of friend to someone else and watch what happens, but do remember, 
do remember, never forget that when you fail and when your friends fail you, when all your friendships fail, when there are none to stand with you in this world, when all those around you fail you, when you are utterly bereft of anyone to trust and you find yourself all alone, all alone. There is a friend who stands closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. And he's always with you and he's always thinking of you and he always wants what's best for you. He's always praying for you. He's always giving himself away, giving himself away to be your soul companion. The soul needs company. When you can't find it, when everything else falls apart, find it first and foremost in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, it can be good to withdraw and find times by ourselves with you, but alone, Lord, just feels awful. And we pray, Lord, that when we are in those lonely, lonely parts of life, when we find ourselves walking isolated and separated and distanced from those we care about and those who care about us, Lord, come to us, draw near as only you can do. Hold on to our hearts, show up, be our soul companion. Our soul desperately needs company. We don't want to sit alone. Lord, just as you sit in the joy of eternal communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us sit and rest in the joy of eternal communion with you. Thank you for being present with us. Build up our friendships, Lord. We're so grateful for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.